Good morning. God is good and all the time. Amen. It is a joy to be here this morning. I talked with the Zambia team this morning and things are going amazing. They have one more day of uh, serving there at New Day Orphanage. I do want to show just a few pictures. Um, this was from this morning. Uh, Elliot, one of our deacons, was preaching. And can I tell you that worship lasted three hours? So let me tell you about this morning. If it lasted three hours, we may go uh, a little longer today. Um, and then we have a few more pictures. This was, they had a, uh, a day where the kids came and there was 301 children there. Now, this is a great picture. They are reenacting Jonah. And so Ross is taking the well to, to come in and eat Joshua. So what a great picture. And then I think we have one more or so. This is part of the kids' camp as well. Uh, and then this is the team at New Day uh, Orphanage. And they will be flying back in Friday, um, Friday evening-ish. And so be praying for them as they continue to serve. It's almost night. Well, it is like evening there. Um, if you wait till this evening, like our time, like 7 o'clock tonight, perfect time to call Brother Randy as many times as you want because <laughs> it'll be the middle of the night. So we uh, just continue to pray. I praise God for all that he is doing there. I did hear that as they were in the villages, uh, one of our team members uh, in sharing the gospel, a lady came to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And so we just rejoice in all that has taken place. I got a few uh, announcements this morning. Tonight is the night of worship that we are having with Moffat Road Baptist Church. Love for you to come and be there at Moffat Road. If you come here, you're going to think the rapture took place. Be at Moffat Road Baptist Church at 6 p.m. Our choir is combining with their choir and orchestra. And uh, it's going to be a wonderful evening tonight starting at 6 p.m. Love for you to be there. Also... Uh, we have our senior adult luncheon coming up at Cracker Barrel on June 16th. You can sign up for that. Grand Monday nights tomorrow night, as I've shared multiple times, an opportunity for us to pour into one another so that we know and can talk about how to pour into our grandchildren because we are all called to disciple and to pour into. And then also, as I've continued to mention, the Israel trip for 2023 is coming up on May 29th through June 7th. That's less than a year away, believe it or not. Um, and so if you would like to uh, have more information or if you'd like to sign up for that, you can do that in the back at the events table. Now, before we get started today, before Aaron comes up and we start singing, um, we have spent some time over the last few months praying through and putting together a team that would, be, uh, that would go to visit in the hospitals and so today, um, there has, we, Brother S.L. has helped in, in bringing together a team and training them. And so today, I want you to see those who are now going to be going into the hospital. If you have been, if you've gone through training and, and you're here today, would you stand this morning? That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. We're going to pray for them. Now, here's the thing. When you are, whenever you go to the hospital, the hospitals won't tell us that you're in the hospital for, because of HIPAA laws. So if you're ever in the hospital, or if you know someone that's in the hospital, call and let us know so that we can share with our team so that they can go 
and come and pray and visit with you. Now, when I say visit, it means a time of prayer, and, and they won't stay but as much amount of time that you allow them to. So it's not like they're coming to visit for two hours. Uh, but they would like to come and pray for you. Let's pray for them. If you would just uh, reach your hands towards him as we pray. Father, we thank you. You have called us all to be the hands and feet of Christ. We're all a holy priesthood. Father, you have called us all to go forth and to minister. And so, Father, I thank you for, for these who are standing today. Lord, I pray that you would give them the words to speak when they go to the hospital. I pray they would speak hope. I pray that they would speak truth. I pray that they would speak uh, peace, Lord. And all of that comes from your word and your word alone, from you. For you are the Prince of Peace. So, Father, I thank you for each person that is standing today and their willingness to serve God in this capacity. Now, Father, be with them as they go. Speak through them, Lord, and most of all, may your name be glorified through all that is said and done. For it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. For our first hour of worship this morning, we are going to... St- no, uh, I just want to say, if you're a guest with us this morning, uh, we are so glad that you're here. There is a welcome card in the seat back pocket right in front of you. We want you to fill that out. Put it in one of the boxes at the back of the room uh, so that you can get a little bit more information about Luke 418 Fellowship. Today, we reflect on God's greatness, on His faithfulness to us when we are unfaithful and how He took us from darkness to life, from being dead to being alive. Let's stand together and sing Great is Thy Faithfulness this morning. Great is Thy Faithfulness favorite hymn. And 
I, I'll never uh, stop singing it, that he has been faithful to me. He's been faithful to my family and to the family of God. This is a message that we can't keep to ourselves. We have to give it out. Let's worship the King this morning. Brethren, we have met to worship
Thank you, Jesus. You give us all that we need. You can be seated as we continue in worship. I encourage you to come tonight to not only a concert, but a worship night of about 70 singers, uh, about 15 to 20 orchestra, uh, two worship pastors from two different families of faith uh, across the same community that is Mobile. Through this, we've been able to learn four or five new songs that we want to use for congregational worship. And one of them speaks to where we are today. All I have is Christ. And I'll tell you, that's all that you need. Let's sing this song together. Learn this song with us uh, today. Let's sing together. Hallelujah. All I I once was lost in darkest night, and thought I knew the way, the sin that promised joy and life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hellbound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. In any way you choose, oh 
what I love that we are all level at the foot of the cross both ways some people would say I'm too bad Jesus can't save me look at what I've done I'm telling you he can some of you say I got it all together I don't need him I'm going to tell you you do we can come just as we are and he can give us a life filled with hope with purpose and walking towards the goal of the kingdom amen Let's sing this song today, just as I am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed. Welcome. 
Father, we, we come to you knowing who we are, and that's sinners saved by grace, children of the King because of the uh, righteousness that you gave us through your Son. Our righteousness is this filthy rags, Lord. There is no way to attain your, your love except for the one way, and that is Jesus. We pray for those that are looking for, for healing uh, or for hope, direction today. It can all be found in you. We pray that, Lord, is if we look to the left or to the right, we will remember to turn our eyes on Jesus and that it was finished. Our salvation was finished on the cross. Amen.
Amen. I love the line in that song that said that we can boldly come before the throne by the righteousness of Jesus, covered in His righteousness. And today we're going to be in Daniel 9, verses 1 through 19, and this is the prayer of Daniel here. And for us, on this side of the cross, we know that we can confidently come before the throne of God, as the book of Hebrews tells us, because of the righteousness of Jesus. It has nothing to do with our ability or our righteousness or our good works. It has everything to do with the fact that we've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, as I shared with you last week, I am going to be in the prophetic prophecy portion of Daniel on Wednesday nights. We talked on Daniel 8 this past Wednesday night. Um, Today, I'm going to be in Daniel 9, 1 through 19 in his prayer. And next week, I'm going to kind of close up the book. Then I'll be leaving immediately after worship Sunday to jump on a plane to go to the convention. And when I get back, we'll be in the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. So we have this week and next week that we on on Sunday morning will be looking at Daniel. Now, I must tell you, Daniel 9 is probably one of my favorite chapters. I know I say that all the time. It really is one of my favorite chapters. I love the prayer and I also love the 70-week prophecy, which I'm going to be speaking on this Wednesday night. So you're going to want to come and hear about that. Many of you may have heard it because I've shared it a couple times because I just love that prophecy. And we'll be speaking on that Wednesday night. But today we're going to be on this prayer of Daniel. And I'm sure that some of you have had this experience where you've studied and read something over and over and over, but then you read it again and God just brings to light something new that you haven't seen. Has that ever happened to you in the scripture? I think it's happened to all of us who have been walking in God's word uh, for some time. And Daniel 9, I I could not, the providential uh, timing of God is is just unbelievable, right? I did not know that I'd be preaching on Daniel 9 today with all that's happened in our nation, all that's happened in the Southern Baptist Convention, and all these different things that have taken place. And here we are today in this prayer of Daniel. Now, I want to pick up on just the first three verses and kind of share a little bit of a a context here, and then we will jump into this uh, verses three and on. But it says this in verse one and two, in the first year of Darius, the son of Asherus of of Midian descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of God to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Now when we look at that, it's very interesting that Daniel is speaking about Jeremiah and he says Jeremiah shared that our exile, the time that we would be away from Jerusalem, would be around 70 years. Now we see that actually in Jeremiah 25. In Jeremiah 25 verses 11 and 12, it speaks of the fact that they would be 70 years. If I say weeks, I apologize because I'm thinking Daniel 9 at the end of it. 70 years that they would be in exile. Now, We don't know when Daniel said that he looked in the books, if he was looking at something that has uh, part of the the canonized Bible that we have today, or if he was looking at uh, things that were passed down. But we do know that he was looking at what the prophets had spoken. And the prophets spoke, Jeremiah spoke, that they would be 70 years. And then Daniel begins this prayer. And I want to pick up and I want to read to you the prayer. So bear with me as there's going to be quite a few 
verses here. So I gave my attention to the Lord to seek Him by prayer and supplication with fasting sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps His commandments and loving kindness for those who love Him and keep His commandments. We have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princesses, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us open shame, as it is this day to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel. Those who are nearby and those who are far away and all the countries to which you have driven them because of of their unfaithful deeds which they have committed against you. Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord, our God, belongs compassion, forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord, our God, to walk in his teachings, which he set before us through his servants. The prophets. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice. So the curse has been poured out on us, along with the oath which was written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, for we have sinned against him. Thus, he has confirmed his word, which we had spoken, which he had spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us to bring us great calamity. For under the whole earth there has not been anything done or done anything like what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all the calamity has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds which he has done. But we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who has brought your people, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as it is this day, we have sinned and we have been wicked. O Lord, in accordance with your righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, and your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquity of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to all around those around us. So now, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation and the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplication before you on account of any merit of our own, but on account of your great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. Father, we ask that as we open this passage up, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom and understanding to hear and to see what you are speaking. And Father, may we not just walk in with tradition of what we have learned on this, but that we would lay that down and say, Father, speak to us today. Holy Spirit, be our guide and our tutor. Oh, Father, we love you, and may we walk in obedience of your word today. For it's in your great and holy name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, as I was studying Daniel 9, I was really convicted 
Because as I studied Daniel 9, I always had thought of that this is a great prayer for the nation of America. And if you think about it, many people in our nation, those of stature, have used this prayer to write prayers for our nation, for America. And though I don't think that that's wrong for us to use Daniel 9 to write a prayer for America, I don't know if it's getting to the main purpose of this prayer. See, Daniel is not praying for Babylon. Daniel is not praying for the nation that they are in captivity to. But Daniel is praying for the nation of Israel. Daniel is praying for God's chosen people that they would fall on their face and that they would repent of their sins for, for not obeying God's holy law. Church, do we know that, and, and we spoke on this, but in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, we see this, this uh, picture of who we are today. For those who are born-again believers, those who are in Christ Jesus, we are a chosen race, all of us together a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Church, I truly believe that the Lord put on my heart this week that when we look at Daniel 9, if we're going to major on the majors, then we need to recognize that Daniel 9 is a prayer for God's chosen People, for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we as the church would fall on our face and repent before holy God. See, oftentimes, we want to turn it to a prayer for America. Church, there's a lot of people in America who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And before they need to be cleaned up, they need to have a heart transformation. Church, oftentimes we look at the sins of this nation, America, and we say, oh, I can't believe how sinful America is. We need to pray that, that America would repent when the church needs to fall on their face and repent. And see, we, we, we oftentimes miss the fact that, that this prayer is for God's people, the church. Let me give you an example. See, I'm a Christian before I'm an American. Oftentimes people will say, well, I'm an American Christian. No, I don't put American before the fact that I'm a Christian because I am not of this world anymore. I am an alien in a foreign land. The scripture tells us, church, we are part of God's holy nation. We are one people, one body. But oftentimes we'll find ourselves mixing up the two. We'll find ourselves focusing in on this kingdom here and not on his eternal kingdom. Now Daniel chapter 9 is the first time as I was praying and studying and seeking God's face, the first time that, that the Lord showed me that this goes uh, back to, or at least it, 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 it reflects, what we've all heard in 2 Chronicles 7.14. See, look at what it says in 2 Chronicles 7.14. Many of us have this memorized. Actually, let me go back to verse 12 through 14. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place, all right, the temple, for myself as a house of sacrifice. 
If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name, church, who is that? That is the nation of Israel. If my people fall on their face. Now, who is it today? It's the church. It says, if they humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven will forgive their sins and heal their land. Is that not what Daniel is praying for? Is he not praying that that the nation of Israel would humble themselves, seek forgiveness so that God would heal their land, Jerusalem, and the place around? See, what's really interesting is that when we look at 2 Chronicles 7.14, which we often get really focused on that one verse, but we miss the context of the whole thing. If you go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 6, in the dedication of the temple, Solomon cries out to God. And here's what he says in his cry to God. Now you can go back and read the whole thing, but let me just go to verse 24 and 25. Solomon says this, If your people Israel are defeated before an army because they have sinned. Why are they in exile? Because they had sinned. And they return to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication before you in this house. Then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land which you have given to them and to their fathers. See, Solomon cried this out and God answers him in the next chapter after the Shekinah glory falls down so much that the priest couldn't even handle what was happening inside the temple. And the Shekinah glory falls down and God answers and said, Yes, if my people turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves and seek forgiveness, I will forgive them and I will heal their land. It goes even further in chapter 6 of Second Chronicles. It says, In verse 36 through 40, when they sin against you, for there is no man who does not sin. We all need to hear that, don't we? And you are angry with them and deliver them to an enemy so that they take them away captive to a far off, to a land far off or near. Let's stop there for a second. Y'all remember the beginning of Daniel? What happened? God allowed Nebuchadnezzar. God gave Israel into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. It says this in verse 36. It says, when they sin against you, or go to verse 37. If they take thought in the land where they are taken captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have committed iniquity and have acted wickedly. If they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul, in the land of their captivity, where they have been taken captive and pray towards this land. Isn't it interesting that Daniel was praying towards where? Jerusalem. That we would, they would pray towards this land which you have given to their fathers and the city which you have chosen and towards the house which I have built for your name. It says this in verse 39. Then hear from heaven, from your dwelling place, their prayer and supplication and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, oh my God, I pray, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Church, I truly believe that Daniel, pinning out this prayer by the inspiration of God, that he was reminded and reflecting back 
on what happened at the dedication of the temple. Where Solomon said, if my people, if Israel turns away and you send them into exile, send them into lands around and they have sinned, but yet if they turn from their wicked ways, will you heal the land? Will you forgive them? And God answered them in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. He said, yes, I will. And so when we look at this prayer of Daniel in Daniel 9, we see this progression. First, we see that, that it's all about the name of God. It's who God is. Then he breaks to a place of humility before God. Then he has an honest confession before God. And then he gives that request of healing of the land. So church, as we look at this today, I believe that this is for us and the church and that we must fall on our face as Daniel did and cry out to God for forgiveness. Yes, we need to pray for America, but I'm telling you, this is for the church today. This is for us. The first thing that we see in Daniel 9 in his prayer is that he has a right view of God. He has a correct, a right view of who God is. He's honest with himself of who God is. He says this in verse 4, I pray to the Lord my God and confess and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his, com- uh, uh, his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. He starts off by saying, You are great. You are sovereign. You are Lord of lords. You are King of kings. There is none like you. Now, I know that I got a lot out of just awesome and great. But when you're talking about God, and he has seen all that has happened throughout his life, he has seen Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come forth from the fiery furnace. He had seen God's provision when he didn't eat and defile himself of the kingly food. And he says, you are the awesome, the great God. I was reminded of a song by C.C. Wine, and we were listening to it before y'all got here this morning, and we were just having a great time. And it says, he, he, there's no one greater. And the church just starts shouting out behind her, there's no one greater. There's no one higher. And the church sings, there's no one higher. I told Aaron we got to work on that song, and we're going to sing it one day. But I'm telling you, there is none greater. There is none higher. There is none more powerful than who our God is. But he doesn't just stop there. In verse 7, he says, righteousness belongs to you, O God. What is righteousness? The Bible's uh, standard definition of righteousness or human righteousness is God's own perfection. In every attribute, every attitude, every behavior, in every word. It's God's perfect holiness. If you think of righteous living, it's rightful living. But where do we get that from? From God's truth, from who He is. He is righteousness. In verse 9, he says, Compassion and forgiveness belongs to God compassion and forgiveness. He has this true understanding. God is great. He is awesome. He's sovereign. He's king of kings, lord of lords. Compassion and forgiveness belongs to him and that he is righteous in all respects and all actions that he takes. In verse 14, we see that. Righteousness in respect to all of his actions. All that he has done to the nation of Israel has been done by his righteousness. By who he is. Church, do we know that in Matthew 6, when Jesus teaches us how to pray, or at least gives us a model for prayer, Jesus starts off by saying, 
our Father, who art in heaven, holy or hallowed be your name. Church, we must start as Daniel did by recognizing and having a correct view of who God is. That we recognize that He's sovereign, He's King of kings, Lord of lords, great I am. He is our healer, our protector, our provider. He is our all in all. I could go on and on and on. He's all powerful. There is none like Him from the rising of the sun to the going down the same. You are the Lord God and there is no other. Church, until we get the right perspective of who our God is, we can't go any further. But once we get that rightful perspective of who our God is, let me tell you what Daniel does. He says, I put on sackcloth and ashes, fasting. See, a correct view of who God leads us to a place of humility. Isaiah 6, 5, y'all know the story. He saw God and what happened to Isaiah? Woe is me. Church, when we truly recognize who our God is, we don't say, hey, how's it going? No, we fall on our face because of His holiness. We say, as Isaiah said, woe is me, I am ruined, a man of unclean lips who live among people of unclean lips. We do as Daniel, uh, excuse me, as uh, Paul did in Ephesians 3.14. He says, I bow my knees before the Father. That wasn't just so that people could see that he was on his knees. That was a posture of the heart of humility, of bowing his knees before the Father. What does 2 Chronicles 7.14 say? And my people who are called by my name humble themselves. Now we see that correct posture from Daniel through sackcloth and ashes. It was a way of showing his mourning, his brokenness, that he had nothing to give before God. You see sackcloth and ashes all throughout the scripture when there is mourning and brokenness and humility. But let me tell you, there's another way that we see, a very interesting way that we see God's, uh, excuse me, Daniel's humility in this prayer. Remember, Daniel was faithful. Daniel determined in his heart not to defile himself. Daniel was a man who was known as someone who had an extraordinary spirit. We call it the Holy Spirit. Daniel walked faithfully in this pagan land. When his life was threatened later, he stood firm. When he was placed into the kingly's uh, to, to serve the king, he served well. Daniel was faithful. So if you wanted to say, you, you probably could say, hey, Daniel, I know you're praying for the nation of Israel, but do you really need to pray for yourself and forgiveness? But look at what Daniel says. You know, there's a debate today about pronouns. Daniel uses the right pronouns. In verse 5, he says, we have sinned. In verse 6, he says, we have not listened. In verse 8, he says, open shame belongs to us. In verse 8, he says, we have sinned. In verse 10, he says, we have not obeyed. In verse 11, he says, the curse has been poured out on us. In verse 12, he says, God's word has been spoken against 
us. In verse 14, we have not obeyed his voice. Again, in 15, we have sinned and we have acted wickedly. In verse 16, because of our sin. Church, can I tell you that we're all a work in progress? None of us are at the place of glorification. So when we pray for the church, we don't say they, we say we. When we confess brokenness before God, we say we, we say us, God, forgive us. Daniel's humility was not to say, well, I've been faithful, so I'm going to pray for you. He said, no, I recognize, as Isaiah did, oh, what a wretched man, or excuse me, what Isaiah said was uh, that I am a man, I am ruined, a man of unclean lips. Or as Paul said, oh, what a wretched man that I am. It's pretty prideful for us to think that we've arrived or made it. For we are all a work in progress. Church, are we willing to have a rightful view of who God is and humble ourselves before the King of kings and Lord of lords to truly confess and have an honest confession? I love, as Daniel said many times, he has this honest confession. In verse 5, he says, sin that they had committed sin, iniquity, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commandments and your ordinances. In verse 6, he said, we did not listen to your servant, the prophets. Remember what the prophets said? It's easy to remember. Shape up or ship out. And they didn't shape up. They didn't listen. In verse 7, we see that he, he says, we have unfaithful Deeds. Verse 9, we have rebelled. Verse 10, um, we did not obey your voice or walk in your teaching. Verse 11, again, we did not obey your voice. Verse 15, we have sinned and been wicked. Look at verse 13. It says that calamity has come on us. Yet we have not sought your favor, turning from the iniquities and giving attention to your truth. Even as this is coming upon us, we didn't learn from it. We didn't fall on our face and repent of it. And so it took us further and further than we want it to go. Church, as I look at this, do we take seriously personal and congregational confession? Now, I'm not saying that we're called to have a, a confessional where you only speak to, to, to me as a pastor. But what I am saying is, is that we must be men and women who confess our sins before holy God. And we must be a church that confesses the sins of the congregation, the body of Christ worldwide before holy God. In James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. I'll never forget what Brother Fred said. 
He always said, have you confessed your sins up to date? Have you confessed your sins that you know of up to date? I believe he heard that from Miss Bertha. Church, I believe that we must start with personal sin. If you're walking in this place with unfaithfulness, may we lay that down before the Father and seek forgiveness. If you are neglecting or disobeying God's word, may we lay that down and say, Father, forgive me. If we've rebelled against God, if there is any need for for us to seek forgiveness from a brother or sister in Christ, have we followed His word? If there's any forgiveness that we must give, have we followed God's word? word church we must start in our own heart as it says in psalm 51 god's not looking for that sacrifice he's looking for a broken and contrite heart that we would fall on our face and seek forgiveness but church i believe that we need to also fall on our face and seek forgiveness and repentance For what I have written down as congregational or the body of Christ, the church. And as I prayed over this, this is not for me to be harsh. I'm telling you, this starts in my heart. I want to just follow my face today and just cry out to God. But as I wrote these things down, I just asked the Lord to give me understanding. And these are just a few things the Lord put on my heart. Church, we need to confess that the American dream has infiltrated the church. Church, we need to confess that there are times in our lives that we focus more on our earthly kingdom than our eternal kingdom. Or let me say God's eternal kingdom. Church, we need to confess that there are times that we put our personal preferences and tradition at a higher value than seeking God with our whole heart. Church, we need to confess that there are times in our life where we have placed sanctification above salvation, attempting to clean people up instead of sharing the gospel that will change the heart. Church, we need to confess that sometimes our comforts have taken place of our trust in God and has made us complacent. Church, We need to confess that what we're dealing with from the executive committee at the Southern Baptist Convention is sin. And we need to cry out to God for forgiveness. Church, we need to confess that among our believers that many have turned to non-biblical worldviews. You don't believe me? Let me give you a statistic that's out. 41% of senior pastors have a biblical worldview. So let me give you the other statistic. 59% of pastors don't have a biblical worldview. 28% of associate pastors have a biblical worldview. 13% of teaching pastors and 4% of executive pastors hold to a biblical worldview. Among children and youth pastors, it's around 12%. Church, it's time that we fall on our face and cry out to God. I think that one thing that we have missed, and I'm being very transparent in my own life, is that when I read 2 Chronicles 7.14, I was so focused on America. And God has said, no, you need to focus on the church. 
judgment begins in the household of God. Church, we must fall on our face and cry out to God. There may be many things that are going through your mind, congressional, uh, excuse me, congressional, congregational, that you are thinking about, that you have seen, the prosperity gospel that's entering into the church, those who are trying to take pieces of the Bible out of and create a Bible that, that fits better to themselves. Church, we need to fall on our face and cry out to God for forgiveness and repentance. And let me tell you, He will heal our land. Church, I was praying over this and I said, Father, send revival. God, send revival. And he said, fall on your face and repent. Church, are we willing to be honest in our confession? God knows all things, church. I don't know about you, but that's actually freeing to me. Are we willing to be personally honest with God? And are we willing to be honest about the church. But then we see in this, Daniel goes from acknowledging a rightful view of God that takes him to a place of humility, sackcloth and ashes, to an open and honest confession. And then what does he do? Then he makes his request and supplication. Church, can I tell you that until we have fallen on our face and confessed our sin before holy God, how are we going to just go and request a whole bunch of stuff? And we must be careful about our request because our request needs to be that of the will of God. I heard a, a pastor say, and I've spoken this before, but if God answered every one of your prayers with a yes, how many people would benefit from that other than you? I've also heard a missionary say that most of the times we're praying for physical healing and we miss praying for the spiritual healing. And let me tell you, if somebody is physically healed but not spiritually healed, they're still going to hell. So what does Daniel pray? He says, Father, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary." In verse 18, he said, hear us and see us. In verse 19, he says, forgive, listen to us, and take action. I'm reminded of the supplication and request that were mentioned by other people in the scripture. You may remember in Ephesians when Paul prays, his request is this, strengthen them in the inner man according to the riches of your glory through the Holy Spirit so that Christ may dwell richly in their hearts. Church, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty powerful prayer and request. He then goes on in, in chapter, back in chapter 1 and he says this. He says in Paul in Ephesians, he says, I pray that they would know what is the hope of your calling, the inheritance of the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of your power towards us who believe. Church, that's what I'm going to ask that you pray for me. That my eyes would be opened every day to see what is the surpassing greatness of His power, the hope of His calling. That I would be strengthened in the inner man. According to the riches of His glory? How, how, how rich is that? How big is that? It's unfathomable. What about Peter in Acts chapter, two, or Acts chapter 4? Peter is thrown into to prison 
for speaking the name of Jesus. And when he comes out, his request is this before the Lord. Lord, would you notice, take note of the threats? He didn't say remove the threats. He didn't say stop this, stop that. He said take note of the threats. And would you grant your bondservant that he may speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant. Now church, let me just say this. It is not wrong for us to pray for healing. It is not wrong for us to pray for the sick. And we are called to in the book of James. But let me tell you, that's not the only thing we're called to pray for. We're called to fall on our face, church, and to cry out to God that He would strengthen us in the inner man, that He would give us a more of an understanding every day of who He is so that we may walk in confidence and boldness, not in our strength, but by the strength and the power of Christ. So church, I wrote down a few. I pray that we would grow in Christ every day. For us to grow in Christ requires us, as Brother Fred said, to repent of our sins up to date. I pray that we would go in Christ every day. That we would take the gospel and follow His word. Remember what Daniel was just praying? We have sinned and not followed your word. We have not been obedient to your word. Church, can I tell you that you have a command, a call from God, an honor and a privilege, and that is to take the gospel of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the gospel of reconciliation to the world, to share with others. Matthew 28, go and make disciples. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll share the gospel all around the world. Church, my prayer for the body of Christ is that God would grow us daily in Him, grow us closer to Him, but that He would grow us together and that we would go in Him every day. I pray that God would, that we would maintain the unity that, that Christ through the Holy Spirit has provided here at Luke 4.18. And church, I pray Every day that you would be overwhelmed, not by your circumstances, not by your situations, but by the goodness of God. By His mercy. By His grace. By His love. By His power. By His provision. All of this is who He is. So church, when we look at Daniel 9, I I believe that it was the providential plan of God for me to preach this today. The question is, church, will we take this serious? Will we hear what is being spoken and realize that when God is calling us to repent, I believe in Daniel 9 and 2 Chronicles that He is speaking specifically to the church. And when we say, heal our land, I believe that He is talking first to the church. Because there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of hurt. Church, would you join with me in recognizing who our God is? 
and humbling ourselves before Him and confessing personally and corporately our sin. And when I say corporately, the congregation, the church, the body of Christ, and request and, and, and seek the Lord that He would open our eyes to see Him high and lifted up, open our hearts that we may grow and go and follow His word and His commandments every day. But if you're in here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, my prayer for you is that you would come to an understanding As Jesus said, there is no other way but through Him to the Father. I pray today that if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you would recognize that you are a sinner just as I am and just as every person that's in the church. That we're all sinners. The only difference is, is that those who are in Christ have received the free gift of eternal life. It doesn't make us perfect until we get to heaven. But God does grow in the sanctification process and we do see that fruit coming forth. Would you today put your trust and your hope recognizing that Jesus is the only way to the Father? As Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips and it wasn't until he was touched with the coal that he was cleansed. The only way that we can be cleansed is by the blood of Jesus. Last week we talked about the the prophecy that took place of the end times, and the only way that people could stand before the throne of God was by the righteousness of Jesus Christ.